If the years at the close of the 18th and the beginning of the 19th century were full of stirring adventure on the part of the colonists along the Atlantic coast, how crowded must they have been for the almost forgotten pioneers who daringly invaded the trackless wilds? None there was to chronicle the fight of these sturdy travelers toward the setting sun. The story of their stormy lives, of their heroism, and of their sacrifice for the benefit of future generations is too little known. It is to a better understanding of those days that the author has labored to draw from his ancestors' notes a new and striking portrayal of the frontier, one which shall paint the fever of freedom, that powerful impulse which lured so many to unmarked graves, one which shall show his work, his love, the effect of the causes which rendered his life so hard, and surely one which does not forget the wronged Indian. The frontier in 1777 produced white men so savage as to be men in name only. These outcasts and renegades lived among the savages, and during thirty years harassed the border, perpetrating all manner of fiendish cruelties upon the settlers. They were no less cruel to the red men whom they ruled, and at the height of their bloody careers made futile the Moravian missionaries' long labors, and destroyed the beautiful hamlet of the Christian Indians, called Ganadan Hutton, or Village of Peace. And while the border produced such outlaws, so did it produce hunters like Eek Boone, the Zanes, the Macaulics, and Wetzel that strange, silent man, whose deeds are still whispered in the country where he once roamed in his insatiate pursuit of savages and renegades, and who was purely a product of the times. Civilization could not have brought forth a man like Wetzel. Great revolutions, great crises, great moments come, and produce the men to deal with them. The border needed Wetzel. The settlers would have needed many more years in which to make permanent homes had it not been for him. He was never a pioneer, but always a hunter after Indians. When not on the track of the savage foe, he was in the settlement, with his keen eye and ear ever alert for signs of the enemy. To the superstitious Indians he was a shadow, a spirit of the border, which breathed menace from the dark forests. To the settlers he was the right arm of defense, a fitting leader for those few implacable and unerring frontiersmen who made the settlement of the West a possibility. And if this story of one of his relentless pursuits shows the man as he truly was, loved by pioneers, respected and feared by red men, and hated by renegades, if it softens a little the ruthless name history accords him, the writer will have been well repaid. Zane Grey. Chapter 1 Nell, I'm growing powerful fond of you. So you must be, Master Joe, if often telling makes it true. The girl spoke simply, and with an absence of that roguishness which was characteristic of her. Playful words, arch smiles, and a touch of coquetry had seemed natural to Nell, but now her grave tone and her almost wistful glance disconcerted Joe. During all the long journey over the mountains she had been gay and bright, while now, when they were about to part, perhaps never to meet again, she showed him the deeper and more earnest side of her character. 
It checked his boldness as nothing else had done. Suddenly there came to him the real meaning of a woman's love when she bestows it without reservation. Silenced by the thought that he had not understood her at all, and the knowledge that he had been half in sport, he gazed out over the wild country before them. The scene impressed its quietness upon the young couple, and brought more forcibly to their minds the fact that they were at the gateway of the unknown West, that somewhere beyond this rude frontier settlement, out there in those unbroken forests stretching dark and silent before them, was to be their future home. From the high bank where they stood the land sloped and narrowed gradually, until it ended in a sharp point which marked the last bit of land between the Allegheny and Monongahela rivers. Here the swift streams merged and formed the broad Ohio. The Newborn River, even here at its beginning, proud and swelling as if already certain of its faraway grandeur, swept majestically round a wide curve and apparently lost itself in the forest foliage. On the narrow point of land commanding a view of the rivers stood a long, low structure enclosed by a stockade fence, on the four corners of which were little box-shaped houses that bulged out as if trying to see what was going on beneath. The massive timbers used in the construction of this fort, the square, compact form, and the small dark holes cut into the walls gave the structure a threatening, impregnable aspect. Below Nell and Joe on the bank were many log cabins. The yellow clay which filled the chinks between the logs gave these a peculiar striped appearance. There was life and bustle in the vicinity of these dwellings, in sharp contrast with the still grandeur of the neighboring forests. There were canvas-covered wagons around which curly-headed youngsters were playing. Several horses were grazing on the short grass, and six red and white oxen munched at the hay that had been thrown to them. The smoke of many fires curled upward, and near the blaze hovered ruddy-faced women who stirred the contents of steaming kettles. One man swung an axe with a vigorous sweep, and the clean, sharp strokes rang on the air. Another hammered stakes into the ground on which to hang a kettle. Before a large cabin a fur trader was exhibiting his wares to three Indians. Another redskin was carrying a pack of pelts from a canoe drawn up on the river bank. A small group of persons stood near. Some were indifferent, and others gazed curiously at the savages. Two children peeped from behind their mother's skirts as if half curious, half frightened. From this scene, the significance of which had just dawned on him, Joe turned his eyes again to his companion. It was a sweet face he saw one that was sedate, but had a promise of innumerable smiles. The blue eyes could not long hide flashes of merriment. The girl turned, and the two young people looked at each other. Her eyes softened with a woman's gentleness as they rested upon him, for, broad of shoulder and lithe and strong as a deer-stalker, he was good to look at. "'Listen,' she said, "'we have known each other only three weeks.' since you joined our wagon train, and have been so kind to me and so helpful to make that long, rough ride endurable, you have won my regard. I—I I cannot say more, even if I would. You told me you ran away from your Virginian home to seek adventure on the frontier, and that you knew no one in all this wild country. 
You even said you could not or would not work at farming. Perhaps my sister and I are as unfitted as you for this life, but we must cling to our uncle because he is the only relative we have. He has come out here to join the Moravians and to preach the gospel to these Indians. We shall share his life and help him all we can. You have been telling me you... you cared for me, and now that we are about to part I... I don't know what to say to you, unless it is... Give up this intention of yours to seek adventure, and come with us. It seems to me you need not hunt for excitement here. It will come unsought. I wish I were Jim, said he suddenly. Who is Jim? My brother. Tell me of him. There's nothing much to tell. He and I are all that are left of our people, as are you and Kate of yours. Jim's a preacher and the best fellow. Oh, I cared a lot for Jim. Then why did you leave him? I was tired of Williamsburg. I quarreled with the fellow and hurt him. Besides, I wanted to see the West. I'd like to hunt deer and bear and fight Indians. Oh, I'm not much good. Was Jim the only one you cared for? asked Nell, smiling. She was surprised to find him grave. Yes, except my horse and dog, and I had to leave them behind, answered Joe, bowing his head a little. You'd like to be Jim because he's a preacher, and could help Uncle convert the Indians? Yes, partly that, but mostly because somehow something you've said or done has made me care for...